0: i Spaces Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, October 28th, 2022. Today on the Ether, TFM Juno Builders with Chain Tools, chatting with Domarium Labs, creators of Orbum Wars. Let's take a listen. Afternoon. I've got my headphones on, new headphones.
1: Hopefully you can hear me there. Doop, 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 do 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 do.
2: Is it coming through? Can you hear me? Aye, perfect You've got me How's how's, how's the weather up in Glencoe? Uh, mountainy, scary, bleak, dreak The usual
1: Dreak Dirty Absolutely I've got, I, yeah, I hear crackling a wee bit I don't know if that's my headphones or if that's your mic <coughs> I just thought I'd mention it
2: Hopefully that's it's
1: better, a bit clearer
2: Um. I hope that is not an issue. Is it? Is it clear now? I've not done anything. It's a bit better. I'm just right,
1: maybe it's my headphones. I mean, it could be my headphones. So we'll see what Stefan says. He's here under the Demerium lab. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I um, okay. can't. We'll just get him up.
2: Demerium. That's a Scottish name, isn't it? Demerium. Demerium. Demerium.
1: I, wonder, I wonder what it means. That's something we can ask him about, I suppose.
2: Yeah. Um, where are you in your like, um, usual settings? Just getting a little bit of... Um, you know when the internet's a bit rubbish and you kind of... I'm not saying like crackle, but some sort of... I tell you what, I'm going
1: to do these headphones, I think. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Yeah. Um, I can, uh, Hi there, def- Stefan. I'll hold the floor. Thank you very much.
2: Um, yeah.
3: Comple in I'll- the house. How's my son? How are you, Stefan. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm 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 trying a, a Twitter Space for the first time in an emulator, so I can use my my normal mic. Uh, am I coming through clearly? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. That good, good.
2: Pretty sweet indeed. So, uh, anything interesting happened since the last time we spoke? Was that a week ago now? God, it was fast. Monday, wasn't? it? that you not know, having a uh, space? Yeah, yeah, it was Monday. Yeah, Monday. Aye. Anything interesting happening? You've just been heads down building? That's grinding. Just grinding. Grinding. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about figuring, um, well, learning more about Orbum, Orbum Wars, uh, Wars. Is that how you pronounce this? orb uh,
3: Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's what, based on the...
2: the... <coughs> what's the reason behind Orbum? I'm not familiar with the word Orbum
3: uh it comes from latin orbi which means globe and this yeah. is a fut- futuristic game talk it's all about you know conquering planets and uh, fighting on planets which are That's globes I mean. so excellent i mean it's like
2: we'll get into it properly in a sec once we have got it all set up but uh yeah i'm excited about it as a young gamer myself back in the day um this looks very familiar to something that i have played before and I'm excited now.
3: <laughs> which which uh, which game stole most of your childhood? Um, well,
2: uh, strategy games. Now I'm talking kids' games here, right? But remember a, a, a game called um, roller coaster Tycoon. Oh, yes, <laughs> like, yes. Okay, yeah. I was thinking about it the other day, and I thought. You know, because I watched my little lad growing up and I'm going thinking all the things that I used to do and I, I, I wondered I wonder if he'll get into games like that himself. So that was one. Um, and, and there was other ones like Constructor and things like that I used to play where you build your own city. You'd, you'd even have, like, hire gangsters in it and stuff like that to control your neighbourhood. <laughs> and then the other game I used to play quite a lot, which is quite similar to Orban Wars, is Command and Conquer.
3: Yeah, who didn't play that? Yeah. Oh, Especially the Tiberian Sun expansion cost me uh, <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> oh, it was excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it
2: definitely did. I mean, I was up in Scotland as a youngster. We were just like thrown out in the streets. Uh, get out and play or you're you're getting your ass kicked. Um, but yeah, when I got back in after being up to mischief in the streets, then it would be like Command and Conquer would be straight on. And then I think the, the the PlayStation 2 came out and just changed the game world man it was like totally amazing what happened there.
3: Yeah. I must say I never owned the console in my life. I know shocking shocking but I'm a uh, Yeah, well, I like I this, the station man. Yeah,
2: I mean I still a-
1: got I still got a console. <laughs>
2: What's up? Are you still got a console? Sorry, so I fine. mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for little, little sunny boy to get a little bit older, and then I'll, I'll, I'll reinvest in a PlayStation again. And I know, like, I won't have any time to be gaming, but I'll, I will, I'll appreciate the time playing with him. Like, and uh, he's just too young, man. He's only four. He can't even hold a controller with it. Try to throw it against my head. Um, so he's a little bit young at the moment. But yeah, we'll we'll be definitely going back into it.
3: Yeah, becoming a of being a parent became a lot more dangerous once uh, PlayStation and (laughs) Xbox came with those uh, wireless (laughs) controllers. Being a parent became much more. Well, I did.
2: um, I did um, invest in a little uh, Sega Mega Drive, old school. Uh, Still get the cables attached, so I'm all right there.
3: Nice, nice.
2: Yeah, um, how are you, uh, Rebel? Are you okay now?
1: Is your mic and stuff all set up? I, well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's both of you are not coming through all that clearly, so it's making me think it may well be right. my setup. Um, I, can, seem, can, can, I seem to have a good few bars on my phone, and it seems alright? How, how do I sound?
2: Can, can you confirm if my headphones are all right? Um, am I coming through clear enough?
3: I can hear everybody here very clearly. So uh, right, okay. Whoever is having Issues hearing people. I would say it's probably on their end. Right. Okay. So we we can
1: then nullify that problem. Then to just rebel. <laughs> well, let's 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 proceed then. <laughs> well, let's, I, I took I took a train down from Scotland. I'm down I'm down in England at the moment. So well, England seems to be falling apart away. right now, and and the reception yes. is going as well. That's the one. But yeah, I mean let's let's kick this thing off. We've got a few well known. Um audience members here so it's great it's quite a small and intimate space if anyone wants to step up you're more than welcome well I see, and, um, but i mean i've seen that llama popping his head in now and again there but he seems to be away again he's dipped out and then we've got steak <laughs> Cito, we've the complay we've got the cosmos spaces guys lovely gents wow yeah and time billionaire hi there um well yeah let's let's get going i mean usually we go for max of about an hour, so to respect Stefan's time and hopefully get this game built sooner rather than later we'll we'll not take up any more than that um but I mean do you want to just kick us off with a brief sort of intro about yourself why you're maybe why you're now building on Juno as opposed to secret and where where you are with regards to this sort of the development of Orby Moores?
3: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that sounds like a good start. And I'll, I'll probably go very light on the, you know, why Juno and, and, and not secret. You know, it's, it's, it's usually a conversation that has a couple of negative sounds in it, which yeah, probably better to avoid. Um, Absolutely. Yes, just, let's keep it positive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, as an introduction, I've been uh, developing games for about 17 years now, uh, mostly as like a hobby. Um, my, my career took me a, a different path. But um, yeah, never really got rid of that. So I call it a hobby. My family used to usually calls it a, my second job for the past 17 years. Um, that at some point resulted in me starting a tutor channel. I run a, a YouTube channel with about 20,000 subscribers. Uh, in which I teach other people game development, and one thing led to the other with crypto, um, me halting another project um, to sort of work on temporarily something else came up. you know what let's let's try this nft stuff. There's just so much going on in the nft space, and a lot of things that personally were hard for me to sort of swallow uh, a lot of rocks, a lot of what I thought were pretty bad practices to. Align a player community and a, and and developers, so I felt like you know technology is not bad. Uh, the way that people use it makes it either good or bad, and I think there's too many bad examples out there. That's probably creating all this negative um, negative influence or negative opinions that a lot of these gaming communities have, especially the gamers that are not in crypto. Let's so let's try and put something positive out there. Um, so that basically got me on the idea of Warble wars. Couple of folk uh, in my community that I run for game developers found that very interesting. I teamed up with the moderator of my Discord and yeah, pretty much like a, a friend that I had known for about two or three years at that point. And we basically started off building Urban Wars, which quickly became bigger and bigger and bigger as we told more people about our vision. People got super excited. And um, I think it was around October last year that we really felt like, OK, we got we to gotta go full ahead with this plan and just. Make it the best it possibly could be. Um, in the meantime, I, I run my own game studio full time. I'm full time committed to uh, to urban Wars. And uh, in terms of time commitment, that's definitely true for uh, for my partner Sean as well. Um, we also have a 3D artist on the on the team that has done all the tanks and all the towers that you see in uh, the footage that I post left and right on uh, on the forums. Development, I guess, I would say, started in the summer of 2021. Uh, quickly ramped up towards October. Since March, we've had public alphas, so we've been able to play and download and play the game for about six months now in alpha stage, so it's definitely a work in progress. We use quite a lot of time for testing because all the items in the game are NFTs, and that puts quite a big uh, responsibility on us to make sure that the, the item balance is uh, is very good at launch because changing metadata in NFTs is not something that we think should be a thing. You know, if somebody buys an NFT for X amount, expecting it does twenty damage. That you don't want us to nerf it later on with the with the nerve bet and make it deal fifteen damage, right? That that would be bad. So we don't do that. Uh, but because of that, we need to invest a little bit more time in uh, in that early uh, development stage. It's sort of like where we are now. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you got more questions. <laughs> absolutely so I mean,
1: I mean just looking at this gameplay tweet that you posted that that was one you just put up today so not not so long ago in fact i'll just i'll just try and share that in the chat so that people can see it but we've got like these i'm assuming the enemy tanks driving along and we're just trying to sort of destroy these tanks are you saying like all the towers that that we can use the towers themselves
3: are the r nfts absolutely so okay so it's like every single tower. So basically, we, we, we currently got six towers in the game. And in our designs, we have 12 towers. So there's going to be more different towers in the future. Every single tower has three stages, uh, tier one, two, three. You see me upgrade some towers in that, in that clip, in that footage. So each of those stages is its own NFT as well. Then each and every single tower can be upgraded. with up to the three modifications to make it fit your particular play style or to focus in on one particular thing. If you want to have glass, cannon, maximum damage, you fit damage mods, but you might also go for more like a resistance, a tanky fit. Um, so that means that you know, with 12 towers, three tiers each, 36 different NFTs for the towers, three modifications on each, it's already putting you at about 150 NFTs that you can fit. Now, that's a lot. And then, of course, immediately people start asking, like, how the hell do you get those? Well, that's, I think, where we do things very differently. Um, we don't sell a single NFT. We don't have any desire to sell all these NFTs because of our mission about what NFT gaming should be. Um, you basically start the game with a couple of starter equipments. Uh, that's not NFTs. Basically, we got six rarities for each of these items. Like, you know, your, in your general fantasy game, your common, uncommon, rare, epic, legendary, uh, mythical. Uh, We call them a slightly differently because we're a sci-fi game. But basically the first two rarities, so in your normal language, uh, common and uncommon, these are virtual, these are normal items. They're gonna be abundant in the loot. Everybody can get started. Nobody needs to absolutely purchase NFTs first before they can start playing the game. You can just start playing the game see if you like it get an experience for it but if you really want to increase your combat ability your combat power in order to take on you know the best players on the server then of course you know better nfts are going to make you more powerful so everybody can get started everybody can loot these things and the nfts are going to be in the loot as well and they're going to be in in in-game events so you have an in-game event basically maybe that event will say like oh we got you got a, a rebel problem on planet Lahiri in the second uh, star system. Um, go out and kill as many as possible. And the player who kills the most, of course, walks home with the best F- NFTs. And there'll probably be like a tiered uh, reward structure. So, you know, player one to three get this, player four to 10 get that, player 11 to 25 or 50 get, you know, this other thing. It's very common in games. It's probably going to, have to explain that too much. So, yeah. There's a lot of NFTs in the game. We're talking, if we start calculating these towers, the towers that you know are still coming up, and then we're also gonna get PVP combat where it's gonna be tank versus towers or towers versus tanks, depending on which side you take. Um, so all the tanks are gonna be NFTs. And then we quickly get into the hundreds of thousands of NFTs that this game will have. And uh, that's gonna be an interesting uh, innovation and an interesting experiment, I guess. Um, um, how how effective you going to make that run on the blockchain? Absolutely. And I, th- I think that's something we
1: need to sort of dive a little bit deeper into. But just, just to clarify from something you were saying, then both both sides of this game are going to be playable, like the kind of invaders as well as the defenders. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And then you've just mentioned the blockchain. So how, I mean, why does this need to be a blockchain game? Okay, we've got the NFTs, so... You'd be thinking link it with an L1 to have NFTs, but why I mean why do we even need these tanks or what benefit is there for for the users to have NFTs rather than just like playing a computer game?
3: Well, I think you know, tower defense is quite casual. And if you want to make that more PvP like, there needs to be a difference. I think one thing, and i look back at my own, you know, gaming experience of the past, is like at the end of the day, everybody can get every single item. And you know it's hard to kind of feel like you leave behind a legacy, or um, when when basically everybody can get the same stuff. And all these NFTs—they are going to be limited runs. So you know, once we run out of real guns, then nobody else is going to be able to find a real gun. And the only way to get it is to get it from another player. Now, many games could implement such a structure, but. A lot of games, uh, the real-life trading of in-game items is usually prohibited against the end-user license agreement, and I can kind of understand why, being a game developer for all these years, it's like it usually ends up with items ending up on eBay, and then usually your community. There's also uh, always a couple of bad apples, sometimes a lot of bad apples that are, you know, scamming people, promising to give these items. Then you got gold farmers. You got the the spam in chat, and you know, there's 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 quite a lot of negative tendency around what item trading results into. And I think what's really missing in, in that regard is a trustless peer-to-peer trading system where trust is no longer required to facilitate this item trading. And I think that's what the blockchain can really do for gaming. And that's where I really see the future of NFT gaming in general. I think that you know having a full on-chain game is kind of cool from a te- technology perspective, but it's also very limited. You know any action that you do that requires the blockchain is going to take at least or well, six seconds let's say in, in cosmos change most cosmos change due to the block time. so there's always sort of like a technological limit in that regard, and it's really hard to 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 increase that so what we're focusing on is more like the web two point five where yes there is going to be a centralized server, otherwise there's no way we could run the number of calculations and computations that are required to run a game like this. But the entire economy side of the game is basically going to be on the blockchain to facilitate these peer-to-peer trustless transactions and and basically the the real item trading that I think gives an extra depth to games.
2: Hi, Sebastian. Um, Just piggybacking on that thought about use case for games on the blockchain. Uh, My little girl, 12-year-old, Consistently loses their account, or it's being hacked with the likes of like robots. And I've always found that Web three and blockchain sort and and also implementing NFTs into the games as well sort of um, saves them from because every time they get hacked, they lose their account. And they have to create another account. So all that money you've put into the game is kind of lost. Doesn't you? Know, how do you feel that? blockchain changes that in some way? Because I think it does. I think if you own the NFTs, you could sort of re-import them into the game. Does that make sense? Um,
3: I think it does. Um, it's uh, it's Stefan, by the way, not Sebastian, but uh, that was that, more often. do <laughs> <No problem. laughs> apologize. Um, you know, I, I think there's a couple of IDs that we're not implementing these IDs yet, but we could definitely tag them on later. Um, Of course you could have accounts as nfts to even circumvent the entire give us your email address uh, step um i think that's something that you know we would definitely be interested in looking into further down the line but it's not our primary focus the primary focus is get the game out now Um, and what you say yes it's true but on the other hand if i look at the current let's say, user responsibility when it comes to the the blockchain space with mnemonic seed phrases and stuff like that, uh, I'm not sure if a 12-year-old would be equally good at protecting that part of, of, let's say, personal security as they do their current Roblox account. So I, I do think that there is a little bit of a barrier that is similar for both spaces, that, but that we could maybe that we may have more creative freedom to address in the blockchain space.
2: I do think we'll we'll improve the wallet um, verification and stuff. There, there's, I've seen projects already implementing some clever stuff in terms of like a multisig style logging in, where I think your seed phrase gets stored by the wallet developer, but then when you verify maybe four out of five of the multisigs, I could be wrong there, then you get control of the wallet. Then I think the seed's then deleted, so it's making... The like the UX a lot easier for people. I've, I've heard that. So yeah, you're right. in What you're saying that a 12 year old handling a seed phrase is just not going to happen. It's it's going to be the parents that deal with that, isn't it?
3: Ideally, yes, but I think we all know in practice that that's not how it's going to go. A 12 year old wants to play a game. He understands what he's doing. And parents, although of course as time goes by, his parents are going to be more tech savvy. But um, you know I mean. The 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 whole point of the
2: the wallet attached to the the website, and it's just a case of click login. That's ten times easier than putting in a email address and a password for me. I've always loved that with Web Three.
3: Yeah, yeah. That, regretfully, you are, you are gonna need those to play urban Wars, though.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Well, interesting. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask a question. And we have Complay in the house here as well. Uh, so, so you're talking about you won't be like selling NFTs or, or, or if you've got anything like would you be doing an NFT marketplace or anything where anybody can buy upgraded items for the game?
3: So, well, probably we will integrate or look to integrate with one of the existing NFT marketplaces. And we're in conversation with uh, with a couple of them on, on Juno. Um, we think that that should probably work out. If it doesn't, we could also always build our own. But honestly, we think that you know everybody building their own marketplace is probably not the best for for the ecosystem in general. So if we could maybe use, for example, Loop NFT marketplace, then uh, that's probably what we'll look at first. Um, but maybe maybe it's interesting to sort of go back one step in in like. How how like say the NFT distribution works, but maybe also why why we do that. Okay. So, like like what I said earlier, the the barrier of entry, and I've, I think we talked about this last Monday as well in the uh, Juno having uh, space. It's like there's this there's this ID that there's three billion gamers on this planet, and if we can get them to adopt crypto, that that's going to be like this massive new wave of adoption um because of course you know gamers in general you know they got a computer in general and they generally more tech savvy than the average population so it's 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 the right it's the target market right however if we look at what somebody actually has to do when they don't have any crypto yet and that is about 2.6 billion of these 3 billion you know they don't have any crypto so how are we going to onboard those and if you look at what somebody has to go through and then we think that that is going to lead to mass adoption. Then you know you're, in my opinion, you're 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 crazy. Somebody has to download a game, and somebody has to make a wallet. Then while making a wallet, they have to choose cold or 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 hot wallets. Then they have to learn about this mnemonic seed thing. Then they learn that this mnemonic seed freight is 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 so important. Otherwise, hackers are going to steal all your stuff and all your NFTs. Then once they finally get through that, which is saying something already they probably need a centralized exchange account in order to fund their wallet. And then they need to send their passport to a centralized exchange in order to get an account there. It's like at this point, we're like comparing down, clicking the download button on Steam to you know, sending a, a, a random organization you've maybe never heard of before your passport copy in order to be able to play a game. Like at that point, you pretty much lost 99.9%. Then you gotta wait 24 hours for your account to be verified. Then you can buy, then, then you can get your credit card out. <laughs> then you have to transfer these tokens, buy some NFT, some Axies for and, and then finally you can play Axie Infinity or you know, another game that, that has this, this barrier of entry because you need the NFT before you can play the game. And if you need that NFT before you can play the game, that requires you to have a wall, that requires you to have probably some cryptocurrency. And, and that barrier of entry is just so incredibly high that, if we think that 3 billion gamers are gonna be the next wave of mass adoption, well, there's something for us to do first before that can happen. So what we do is somebody downloads Orban Wars and they can just start playing because our first two rarities are virtual items. We can give them a starter equipment and they can start looting some basic items like with every map they complete. And then as they are completing these maps, then sometimes they'll loot NFTs, And these nfts are then and i know this is a bit of an ugly word to use in a a crypto space but then we are gonna be functioning as the custodial of their nft similar to how a centralized exchange would hold on to your tokens the moment you buy them we hold on to your nft the moment you loot it or get it in a reward in an event now similar to an exchange the moment you buy something you can immediately bring it over to your non-custodial wallet to your capital wallet Similarly, the moment you loot an NFT in Orban in, in Wars, you'll be able to go to the NFT manager and claim that to your own wallet in case you don't trust us. No hard feelings, it's, it's, I'm okay with it. You don't have to trust me. However, for those players that only heard about Bitcoin in the news and have no cryptocurrency wallet yet and haven't got a centralized exchange, they're just completely out of the space, they can play Orban Wars. They can get started. They can start looting NFTs. And they might not even notice that they're playing an NFT game until they see, you know, the global chat in the game asking like, What's the what's the uh, the the price check on a real gun turret tier two? And somebody answers, I don't know, 16 Juno. And then they probably ask, What is a Juno? you know, and and I expect those players will be in the global chat. And that's the moment that we can say, Well, there's a little bit more behind this game. Yeah. And then that's the moment they're emotionally invested. That's the moment they're interested. And then they can onboard into this crypto space at their own speed. You know, they can decide, you know what, it's Monday now. I'm going to wait till Saturday and then I'm going to read about all this wallet stuff. And of course, you know, we as the Merion Labs will make sure that we got all these uh, tutorials written or video tutorials on YouTube. Like I said, I am a YouTuber, so uh, I probably know how to make a tutorial by now. And then it's you know, we can onboard them in their own speed, in their own base, and then we can make them part of that other part of urban Wars, the economic part, which happens on the chain out of game. So we think that is the right way to onboard all these people into cryptocurrency. And I think personally, and I think everybody should just probably just think of like, whether you think this is true, you should probably think of that yourself. But I think that is maybe the most bullish thing for a blockchain like Juno because anybody that's buying Juno these days probably already has Bitcoin, Ethereum, Atom. You know, Juno is rarely the first token or the first coin that you buy because we're a little bit further away from that, right? It's like the limited amount of centralized exchange listing, for example, already makes it kind of difficult. So with Orban Wars, if we get popular, let's say popular means 100,000 players, that could potentially mean that we're onboarding 25,000 players with a first crypto experience, with a Juno first experience, the first exposure they're gonna have is the Juno network and they won't know anything else unless they explore further. And I think that's an onboarding mechanism that Juno right now doesn't have. And if we, you know, I, dare I dream, if we get popular, like for example, an Xe Infinity, then we're talking a lot, a lot, a lot more people. And I think that is something to be super excited about.
2: Stefan, that's absolutely fantastic. Your thoughts on onboarding gaming users to the, to the ecosystem, such a, such a great way to put it.
1: Thanks very much for answering. So, I mean, just following up on that then, like we're talking, or Stefan's been talking about three billion people potentially as some kind of market for bringing people into crypto. Like, I mean, is that your mission to bring people into crypto bring people into juno or i mean i don't know if you've made your money already or if you're wanting to like monetize orby moore's as well um and and like if if orby moore's is going to be like uh uh f- of financial benefit to yourself like can you talk about how you're going to monetize it because it, from what you're saying it's like it's free to download free yeah. to play you're not selling NFTs. I mean, is it, are you just going to take, like, um, commissions or royalties on, like, secondary
3: markets? Or is there something more nuanced? Uh, no problem talking about this. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not the white knight that, that, that comes and saves a blockchain, right? Like, I'm a game developer, for F's for, 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 for sake. I just want to build a cool thing that other people find cool that they love playing and I'm going to love watching them love playing it. That's what drives me. I'm a a game developer first, I'm a blockchain developer second. Um, And uh, so, yes, there will be a monetization system. And I think the way that let me start with that. Maybe let's say a reference point that many people get. Like many NFT games, for example, have like a PFP collection or something that gives you a certain access or, or certain benefits. But on a PFP collection of, let's say, 10,000 items or even 50,000 items, there's only going to be so much trade volume that you can take royalties off. Because basically, if an NFT is sort of your access to a game or it's giving you certain benefits to that game, you basically don't want to sell that NFT until you're done playing that game, you're, you're finished it, you're done with it, or you moved on. So that doesn't really generate much trade volume. In in Orban Wars, on the other hand, because we get got so many different items, you're bound to find some items that you already got. You might find you know, a rare real gun. Well, you already have an epic one. You know, what do you do with your rare real gun? Well, you're probably not just going to leave it catching dust in your inventory. You're probably going to sell it off, because maybe you don't have that laser yet. And maybe if you sell your real gun, you can get your laser just like you know how it works in a real game if you loot something that's double you try and get rid of it for as much as possible to buy something back as cheap as possible basic economics so because of the way that we implement nfts in the game we do expect that there's going to be a massive amount of trade volume if 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 our game gets successful we're, we're easily bringing well i don't want to speculate um a lot of trade volume to an exchange that yes we can take a royalty off and yes there will be a royalty on the on the NFT uh, trade volume, that royalty is going to be relatively low. We don't think that we have to put that really high, and we would also feel really bad that you know, in case the game does get very popular and some of these towers are going to get really expensive. I would feel pretty bad if we're going to you know walk off with like eighty, hundred dollars on on a trade. So definitely below five percent, but we're we're thinking somewhere like like three, three and a half percent. However, that does expose a risk to us like what? Let, let's say it doesn't get that popular or the towers are staying very cheap, which you know I have no idea what they're going to cost. The, the, the open market will decide that. So we basically implemented double royalty. One is a percentage on the market. And then we have basically a flat, uh, a flat fee for taking the NFT out of the game and putting it back in. So we're thinking along the lines of maybe $30 cents or something like that. So let's say you find a real gun. You know okay i can sell this for 10 bucks on the nft marketplace and basically you pay us a 30 cent fee to take it out of the game so let's say you have nine dollar seventy profit left and then a three and a half percent royalty that basically does two things for us because of course you could ask, well why don't you just increase your royalty well one of the things that we're going to have to be dealing with is bots and uh yeah well, bots are our biggest problems so let's not go into the rest but bots who automatically play the game in order to get loot in order to get these nfts these are going to be you know one thing that we have to uh, address and if we detect a bots and we had a, have a lot of bot detection code it's really hard to bot this one we basically just ban your account. we're not even going to you know warn you 17 times like some games do When you try and and mess with the system, your account is gone. Of course, if you already have your NFT in your own capital wallet, we cannot ban your NFTs. They're yours. It's your ownership. But by having that fee to get it out of the game and put it back in, that does mean that a bot account or a botter constantly has to pay that fee to set up a new account. On one hand, Highlander, what you said earlier, somebody loses their account. Yeah, that does mean that when you lose your account, where you also incur a cost. But for us to have this anti-bots, this 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 anti-monetization mechanism against botters is a way that we can keep the, get the game bot free, which should improve the gameplay for all real players out there. So that's like this double fee structure. And that's basically all on the NFT trade volume. And yeah, because we have so many NFTs in the game, um, that should, you know, we should be able to keep these costs very low for people um, while keeping it financially interesting for us to, you know, keep everything running, keep expanding the games, keep coming up with new events, new content, new upgrades, new updates, keeping the service running, making sure the servers are lag free, all that, all that good stuff.
2: Excellent. Um how, what's your plans on like marketing it to non crypto users? Do you have a plan in mind?
3: So, it's basically like a little bit like a two stage rocket. I like to describe it as like obviously, our initial user base is most likely going to be, you know, those three to 500 million people that are already in crypto. Um, And of course, with a Juno network user slash IBC Cosmos uh, uh, user first, every game needs that initial adoption in order to, you know, I, I can I, I can turn this around. If you're scrolling through the Google Play Store and you see a game that has three downloads, even if the the thumbnail looks amazing and even if the screenshots look amazing, you're probably not going to download because who plays a game that has only three downloads? So we are going looking for that initial search, just you know, in the Juno community, in the IBC community, and after that, broader in crypto. But once we're past that initial hurdle, once that initial barrier is passed that's the moment that our marketing dollars are starting to become so much more worth than they are the moment we launch so ideally we launch we get you know a lot of people excited in the crypto space especially idc we get let's say the initial downloads to a couple thousand hopefully and then our every marketing dollar that we spend is probably worth five times more than if we would have spent it a couple weeks earlier when we had zero downloads so That's sort of like the two-stage rocket. We first really rely on the community to adopt us. And that's just going to require a lot of um, uh, uh, hustling from from my side. Um, And after that, the marketing dollars are going to come in. And then you can do things like YouTube advertisements and all that kind of thing. And because our barrier to entry is so low, we can put a YouTube commercial out uh, or a YouTube banner that has just the download link, and people can actually get started, no matter whether they got a capital award or not. So also that that transition from an advertisement to an actual player, that conversion rate is going to be so much higher than a cryptocurrency game that first requires you to do all kinds of other things. So that's sort of like our marketing strategy at the moment. Awesome, I
1: I, I really love what you said, and this is definitely something that I've learned on this call today. The whole sort of concept of of not needing to be a crypto user to be able to play this game, and I just think that's a fascinating way for. to to actually help bring people into crypto, but also just let people who are kind of interested in the game get on with it. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that's great. I mean, just thinking about your sort of public alpha you've got at the moment, as far as I'm aware from your Discord, that's Windows users and Linux users. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, correct. But then you're now talking about Google Play Store, and I'm assuming hopefully Apple Play Store, like how, how far into the future are we talking for like a mobile version, roughly ballpark?
3: Ballpark, I would say probably within two, maximum three months of, of launching on mainnet. Um, we use a game engine that can compile to all these different platforms um so for us it's pretty much the click of a button we'll probably have to change a couple of ui things because you don't have effects like hover over and stuff like that because you don't have a mouse um but my 17 years of game development in the past 16 years of those have been mobile development so i'm uh, i'm pretty well acquainted with the space um so that's that's relatively easy it's just simply for for us in an alpha stage it is much easier to debug uh, PC slash or desktop Linux or Windows Linux, and in an alpha testing phase, you don't want to support too many platforms because every single platform you support during testing and development, the slower your development process is because you're you know bug fixing all these different bugs and all these different platforms for all the tests that that you've onboarded. So there's always this balance in game development or application development in general, uh, but especially a game. You know we're talking millions of lines of code, where yeah you don't want to. You don't want to onboard too many platforms in your development phases. So Mac is probably going to come out with mainnet launch. Maybe even we'll do a testnet version of that like before the end of the year. It's a little bit of a question mark, um, but that's probably going to be next. After that, Android, iOS, (sighs) difficult. Um, Because we got these fees and these royalties, they are basically circumventing the Apple Store a 30% revenue share. So we're in exactly the same place as Epic is with Fortnite when they implemented features in Fortnite to directly purchase something from Epic circumventing Apple fees. They're in a lawsuit. Epic has that money. I don't. I prefer to spend my money on marketing. So iOS is really going to be a bit dependent on what the results are going to be of that lawsuit. Because right now, I think the moment I would just put this application in for review. I think it just gets straight up rejected by Apple anyway. So at this point it's not worth it for me to put the development hours into that. Okay. So I mean just for anyone who's on the call and is interested
1: in actually playing the game, I mean, I've been in the Orbin Wars Discord for a while, not posted all that much, but there is an alpha download channel and there's links and 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 this this is still available, Stefan, for people to
3: come in and, and download the alpha and get playing, is that right? Absolutely. The servers have been running nonstop for the past six months. This is not only a game test for us, but we're also building uh, self-healing, load-balancing game architecture in the background to make sure that the game can even continue to be played, even when the Juno network would be down. So whenever the network goes down in the future, everybody can just start playing and Wars while the devs fix it.
2: I'm just um, wondering if we could get a little link to that server put into the chat for anyone listening and who wants to actually get involved in testing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can go on that. Yeah, I'll just put it in. In fact, no, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get it.
3: I'll well, right, I think
1: it's all... It's, it
3: it's all... Uh, uh, if you click into the Domerian Labs on Twitter, um, yeah. or Aye. on Twitter is our Discord link, so quite easy lovely stuff thank you very much
1: and I think I mean just the whole marketing idea struck me as is, is, is genius as well just like ask the Juno community who are sort of regarded as quite a strong community just like come on download the game I mean even if people aren't going to play the game like support Juno download the game this is yeah even if you're not a gamer it's, it's beneficial to everything on Juno if this game becomes popular more people are coming to Juno, everyone's going to be a winner. So I, I think a lot of people will get behind it and then hopefully there'll be a lot of players um, from within the community as well. For sure. Yeah. Um,
2: we, we, we've created, sorry to cut you there, Stephanie, but we've just today been um, like created a little sub-dial but this community, Juno community involvement on like marketing and stuff. So yeah, but I, I'm going to put all this stuff together and and like start really pushing the projects that are happening on Juno because I find there's a lot of um, negativity at the moment with the bear market and prices and stuff and people just like don't really know what's going on. And I think we just need to get the word out there a little bit better, especially Juno.
3: Yeah, and I I I fully agree with, with what was said here. It's like it's like we and it's also like we also have no token or something like that, right? Everything you're gonna do with Orban Wars going to require juno probably so because we don't take away or we don't because we don't put value in Orban wars through our own token we just fully utilize the network so you know anybody that wants to trade Urban wars nfts is probably going to have some uh, juno liquidity in their wallet because how else are you going to be nft trading so i think uh, you know in terms of value add to the network i think i think this this model that we adopt uh, and th- that's, you know, very experimental. Um, but if it succeeds, I think it's the best possible model to add value to an L1. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I'm loving it, Stefan. I'm glad to hear that.
1: It's, I mean, it's quite exciting to be in this call. Yeah, so we've got Demirium Labs, newish to Juno. Um, we've got the Rect gang. They're newish to Juno, and congratulations, guys, on... Um, minting out in such quick order. We've got Terra Spaces with his burn burn recording for us. So yeah, I mean this is this is even in this bear market, I think it's really great that there's so many people still in these calls. And then with the sort of historical record that Terra Spaces is creating, it's it's going to live on. So when people come in over the next few months, and they'll still be able to find out uh, but who Orbe Morse, I mean, one other thing I'm hoping we could maybe touch on, Stefan, is, um, well, there are a few other things. So the first thing I'd like to address, first of all, is like, what is? I mean, what is Orbe Mor? Why why did we have? Why do we sort of doing this tank battle? I mean, what is the the story behind it?
3: Ah, oh, good 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 question. All right, get ready for for the soapbox moment, I guess. Um, so we have we have a long term vision that that one day and we expect to start development on this more actively in 2023 we already have a bit of a concept alpha um, to lift urban wars up into a metaverse that is our end game as domarian labs to create uh, a space-feeling space feeling uh, space a station like metaverse where you can visit different planets And the lore and the story of Orban Wars will be the backdrop for that metaverse as well. So we went quite heavy on the story for, you know, your average tower defense uh, game. So the story is basically the, uh, somewhere in, in, in 2035, I believe, uh, we, we get to a theory of quantum gravity that basically initiates or starts a whole new space exploration era where we have different kinds of sensors but also get to a faster than light speed uh, engine that allows for space travel. Um, humans discover somewhere in the 2050s, a natural wormhole just outside the orbit of Saturn. And they start colonizing this new constellation of stars, the six stars in close proximity to each other. Um, And through the wormhole, a lot of settlers go there because um, basically, world order on earth at that moment is that the united nations decides for all countries the united nations has gotten legislative power they started abusing that it became oppressively liberal basically there's not really any opportunity chance for opportunity chance for meaning in your life on earth and therefore a lot of settlers go to ian uh, a lot of people feel the same feeling and they feel like as long as we stay connected with earth we're kind of doomed to end up as earth So after about 20 years after the discovery of the wormhole um, and twenty million, more than 20 million settlers in this new constellation of stars, they have pretty much become self-sufficient. And they decide in a COVID operation to blow up the wormhole, cut them off from Earth. Then um, in in EM, you basically get sort of more like a cutthroat organization where it's survival of the fittest. If you work hard, you are rewarded. And this sort of creates. Um, uh, a point where people can become mercenaries, where they work as mercenary for various NPC factions, and maybe more in the future, but that storyline is something I won't disclose yet. So that's what you do as a player. You're one of these mercenaries. The Mercenary Act has been instated only three years. The game starts, so that the Mercenary Act was instated in 2080. In 2083, the game starts, so you're a new mercenary to um, uh, to, to this space. And basically, you vie for for recognition, power, pride, uh, rewards, uh, and lots of money. That's sort of the backdrop in the story. Wow, sounds sounds pretty complex. Certainly, the first time
1: I've heard it. Anyway, so I, I, I'm just like trying to break it down for my young younger self who used to well, still a big Star Wars fan. But like, are are there like goodies and baddies in this game, or is it all a lot more opaque?
3: It's a lot more opaque. we don't want to go with the with the standard format of uh, Hollywood these days, where it's always the goodies and the baddies. <laughs> it's like you know y- human nature is complex, and different parts of our characters are good and, and and some can be bad, and it's usually all a mixed bag of things depending on what situation you put us in uh, that's that's human psychology, and we definitely want to stay more truthful to that because that creates for a lot more interesting stories
2: fantastic um Rebel, if you've got nothing else there, I've requested anyone who wants to come up for a little question to ask Stefan. Uh, I've got a up here already. Um, Is it Findalore if you want to open your mic and ask away?
4: Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Nice. Uh, You know, I have two questions. Thanks for all the explanation, by the way. Uh, You know, one question is, so this is not going to be something like where you sign transactions and, you know, Uh, do these kind of interactions within the game with the blockchain right it's on a separate website then you have the game uh running on
3: uh on on the side yeah that that's definitely how we will start and the the reason for us just like we want to make the onboarding easy for somebody not in crypto yet we also want to make the onboarding easier for anybody that's in juno or ibc and you know some games force you to create a new wallet in the game as a light client and then you have yet another address and yet another seed phrase and then again you have to transfer tokens and we thought that's a bad onboarding experience for the existing crypto users so for starters we're gonna have um, a, a separate website that will be let's say the nft manager and our game servers are simply querying from both what we know on the server that you own in terms of virtual items and NFTs that we still hold for you, and your Kepler wallet where uh, you have your non custodial hold NFTs. so th- these different data sources are being compiled by our game servers and pushed to your inventory in the game. All right, thanks a
4: lot. And I guess that makes sense. yeah. I mean it's it's not really possible to do these kind of interactions, so maybe in the future it will be
3: it will be a much better experience. It is uh, possible, but um, it just requires a bit of development time, and yeah. it's not what we want to focus on right now. But it's, it's absolutely possible with the game engine that we work with. Oh, nice. Uh, which engine do you use, by the way? So exactly for this purpose, we use the Godot game engine. It is the third most popular game engine after Unreal and Unity. And Godot is a FOSS free open source software, so you have full access to the core, which allows you to build any module that you want. So it's really easy to build these blockchain integrations to much much deeper into the core and with much more functionality because you're not restricted to like a, a plug in Unity, for example.
4: Yeah, I mean the game is uh, is, is it. I mean, based on what I've seen, it looks like 3D. But is it 2D or 3D?
3: It's it's 3D with uh, from an isometric angle, uh, but yeah. the, the camera is in perspective mode to get that 3D depth.
4: Cause, yeah, because I know that Godot is not really good with 3D. 3 uh, Yeah,
3: that's that's yeah, that's I- that's, a, that's a misconception. Regretfully, uh, this is this is Godot, and this is 3D, and it's perfectly able to do that. But I think a lot of people, um, you know, Godot has a lot of hobbyists because it's completely free to download and use. And I think a lot of hobbyists don't have, let's say, the years of experience that I have to actually build a game. And once you know how to use the tools, you can build something that looks just as good as it would look in Unity.
4: Yeah, I guess I have to ask more questions to you then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for the for the second question, I mean, uh so you mentioned that you have these different like swap actions and you even mentioned a metaverse where in my in my opinion maybe you could have different collections on everything. Uh you know, I was just thinking, uh since you have all these different NFTs and collections, maybe in the future, um uh, not really sure you heard of Complay before, but you know, we uh just wanted to, you know, let you know that uh maybe you would, you know, think about uh, maybe doing this project with Complay, or even just you know learn more about Complay. You know we have all these different like contracts modules pre-written for you, so you can just uh, have the minting, the swapping, the marketplace uh, ready for you. You know built, so you you won't really need to you know just add more development into it. Of course, for some custom things you would need to, but you know would you be open to you know uh, taking this to DM and just to you know talk talk about these things?
3: yeah somebody mentioned the comple account i'm not sure if it was you mentioned it in a in a in a uh, tweet reply so i've already been on your website but i have to dive into it more deeply um if we can lift the dm up to a call one day because that's so much faster so yeah. I can, can can get a better understanding of comple i'll definitely be open to that
4: yeah uh, sure And i'll i'll just uh, follow up with you on dm then awesome thank you all right thanks a lot
2: Thanks, Fundler. Uh, some good questions there, more of the more of our technical side. Um, Rebel, you've been having some slight issues with your headphones again. Are you hearing me
1: okay? I can hear everyone okay, apart from I think Stefan. For some reason, I can't hear Stefan right now, but yeah, it definitely must be my connection rather than anything else because it seems like everyone else is hearing them loud and clear, mm-hmm. which is good stuff. I mean, one one thing... I'd be interested in, I don't know if Stefan wants to share it now but um, and I mean maybe this would be a DM thing but it'd be quite cool um, because he's been a game developer for so long I'd I'd be interested in like, I'm assuming this is not your first tower defence rodeo so I'd be interested in like just playing one of your games so if you're
3: up for sharing any of that, that would be pretty cool (laughs) Um and this is my first style defense rodeo. Uh the the thing as a hobby developer is that you usually cut some corners. So what I usually did was infringe very heavily on copyrighted material. Um so regretfully I can I, I don't have a public game that's playable right now. Um so yeah, that's that's something that Oren Wars has really challenged me on. It's like, okay, just Stop! Stop getting assets from 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 here and there, and just you know hire hire the uh, the people to to actually make them. So what I usually did in the past, for example, you know maybe maybe you've had some ga- some game board nights with friends, you know, and the problem is with game board nights is that you know it's like it's always like max six players, max eight players. So what I usually did a lot in the past is you know how can you play Monopoly with thirty five people while getting absolutely wasted on whiskey? Um, that, those were the questions that were very interesting to me in the past, and I've got some great Monopoly games for that, but they're only shared between me and my friends, because I'm not sure who the producer of Monopoly is, it's probably Carver or something like that, they they defend their copyright quite well.
2: <laughs> That's excellent. Um, was there anyone else? I, I'm sure I've seen a, a, a raised hand earlier, um, if anyone did I do apologise, but if you want to raise your hand again, we might have some time just to slot you in. Um I'm not seeing any hands raised now. No, no. Uh, all yours then, Rebel. No one, no one raised their hand.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I would suggest everyone in this call pretty much follow everyone else in this call. Um Demirium Labs, TFM, Complay, Cosmos Spaces are here, Terra Spaces, Stake Ceto. I don't know if that's Crypto Ceto listening on it today, Wrecked Gang. Um I don't know about following Romy because he's changed his Galactic Punk to a wreck Bull. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that, but um, well, <laughs> I think I'm following him already. Um, yeah, I mean, like at the moment, TFM-wise, we are um, considering moving over the NFT aggregator to Juno. So if that's something the Juno NFT crew are interested in, like, let us know, give us a shout out, whatever, and tell us what you think about that. And that's kind of on terra at the moment. We have a request. Oh, right. Well, I, just, I mean, Mr. I, did Red to, I, did, I did say to Stefan we'd be finishing it two, So if There's Stefan's going to drop out, gang. then... Go for
3: it. Yeah, I'm up for it. Just just up. Bring them
1: up, bring them up quick. Um, but yeah, until they come up, we'll just keep saying thank you to Stefan for being here and sharing <laughs> us the project with us. <laughs> um, Fantastic.
0: Red Sorry, I, I got really excited about the aggregator. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's appropriate but I would love it. Um and uh and you know just to to stay on on the topic of Twitter spaces I'm a huge huge fan of tower defense games. I used to play the Super Monkey one and uh the other one, oh boy, I don't remember. But <laughs> I played it so much. It was a lot of fun on the phone. So I think you guys have a really cool idea and um i'd be willing to play for sure and yes please the, the aggregator guys please thanks thanks mate I, mean, okay. I think that's a great
1: point
2: you sorry Highlander, off you go no no on you go mate i was just gonna um
1: close it out there but yeah go on yeah yeah i mean just i think berserker did I yeah, get it right yeah today? yeah i did thank goodness um yeah i i just like to echo those sentiments i mean I, th- I think tower defense games are great in the sense that they can like span the generations. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for Orbeam Wars. So, yeah, just to finish off, then thank you very much, Stefan, for being here. Thank you, everyone, for listening live. Thank you to Finn at Terra Spaces for doing the recording for us. Um, Stefan, any final words, even though I maybe can't hear you?
3: Um, Thank you for, for having me on, It's uh, it, it was a pleasure and uh, great to hear how everybody is excited about our IDs and about Tower Defense. And um, yeah, I guess, you know, follow us, um, retweet our, our, our stuff if you feel like this uh, this is valuable to you as a bag holder as well, or if you just like Tower Defense and if you can bring us into any connections that the word out since now we, we just recently moved to Juno. Uh, would love to hear any tips that you have or connections that people can make to get another podcast or other spaces to uh, to talk about urban wars and maybe talk onto some of these topics in a little bit more detail. Fantastic,
2: Stefan! It's been a pleasure chatting to you once again this weekend. And um, yeah, I'll be eyes on the project now for sure. I'll I'll help spread the spread the word of your amazing idea and game. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining, and we'll catch you at some point. Well, I wanted to ask, actually, we might, I feel, Friday's are a little bit more busier. So between either Thursday or Friday next week, we'll have the, well, we'll have the General Builders space on again. So thanks again, everybody, and have a great weekend.
1: Awesome. Curio. Just a final word on that one. Um, because of the success of the Red Bulls, um, Mint, over the last few days, we are going to hopefully have um, Mint Dow joining us next week. So if you're interested in NFTs and stuff, we'll um, hopefully see you again then. Thanks again, Stefan. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
0: Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was TFM hosting the Juno Builder Space with Chain Tools, chatting with Domerium Labs, makers of Orbum Wars, recorded on Friday, October 28th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to teraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad like we always wait for dooms. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shrooms, Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe is the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, handed reports. It. Two plus two. Big thinking energy always gets the best of me when I kick it in the lab messing with new recipes. Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, lash, letting rhythm scratch. Dope shit spitting facts with my vision smash. Big. Trip aristocrats dishing out a list of trash, missing wisdom. This fish is too big to catch. Better let the missus know where you hit the stash. Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the trash. Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines, and I'm about done dealing with these damn lies. Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise, chastising the digging holes in the back nine. The latest proof ain't a way to move, chase a view. Just a bunch of peckaheads living in a chicken coop, picking at their dinner finger, licking like the plate is good. So kick it for a minute, then show me what that think could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two.